Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Tonight we're picking back up with our series on Kingdom Prayers. We started this last Wednesday night, and um, if you were not here, it's okay. These are really kind of standalone messages, but are just kind of strung together. Uh, in a in a series, but last week we focused on a prayer of David, and that prayer is found in Psalm 139. If you want to go back and read that, the two verses that we really highlighted were verse 23 and 24. But uh, then we it was first Wednesday last week, and so we spent some time uh, in prayer. And tonight's not first Wednesday, and I'm I may teach a little bit longer tonight, but I just want you to, to go ahead and condition you to let you know I'm I'm talking about prayer tonight, so we should do more than just talk about it. We all need to be ready to do it. So before we leave tonight, we're gonna have some time to pray. Is that okay? So go ahead and make up your mind. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be ready to pray when the time comes. I'm gonna be ready to respond. I'm gonna be ready to put into practice what the Word of God brings to us. But last Wednesday night um, in, in this Psalm, Psalm 139, we kind of used it as a guide to prayer, and we broke it up into four different points, and we prayed, search my heart, O God. Number one, search my heart. And then we prayed, reveal my fears or show me where I am anxious, right? And I believe God does that for us. And we pray that, reveal my fears. And then, and then third was point out my sins. And the reason we ask God to do that, the reason we invite the Spirit of the Lord to do that is because there's this scary scripture in the Word of God that says every man is right in their own sight. And, and so sometimes we have, to, we, we have to pray, God, show us. We can get disillusioned. We can be deceived. And so we pray, God, point out something that maybe I'm justifying. Point out something that I'm overlooking. Point, point out something that I'm, I'm not being repentant about. And then after we do all of those things, search my heart, reveal my fears, point out my sins, then we reach the point where we can truly pray, now lead me, God. Lead me into your will. Lead me into your purpose. Lead me into your righteousness. Lead me, lead, lead me through your spirit. And so I, I hope you've continued to pray that. I hope you've kind of peppered that into your prayer life some way between last Wednesday night and tonight. And not only, I hope you won't stop, but I hope you'll continue to mix that in to your prayer life. Let that be a kingdom prayer that you continue to pray. So tonight, just be honest with you, we're going to deal with a prayer that you might not like, uh, or, or maybe I should say your flesh. P pinch yourself. That, that hurts, doesn't it? Well, this might hurt a little bit because it comes against our flesh, and so your flesh might not like this, and so if you catch yourself bowing up, then put your, put your flesh in, in its place, all right? As a matter of fact, some of you, this prayer that I'm going to talk about tonight, some of you may refuse to pray it. Um, it's a good prayer, but it's one of those things that, that our flesh doesn't like. It's a good prayer, but it doesn't always feel good to pray what I'm going to talk about tonight. But I, I do want you to know that if you will pray this prayer, if you will begin to incorporate this kingdom prayer into your life, it has the potential to open up your heart 
for the Lord to do a work in a deep and a life-changing way for you. And I, I want that. I, I don't want just to be a shallow Christian. I, I, I don't want just to kind of continue to rehash the same old terrain in my life. But there's some new territory I believe God wants us to take. Amen? And, and so tonight, we're going to examine the kingdom, of, the kingdom prayer, break me. Everybody say, break me. Break me, oh Lord. We're going to talk about how to pray that prayer. Now, I, I know that when I say, break me, oh Lord, that might not sound real enticing, but I want you to know here at the very beginning that there are blessings on the other side of brokenness. There, there, there's blessings there. You will experience greater intimacy with God. You will experience a deeper work of God in your life as a result of brokenness. Nobody necessarily wants it or aspires to it, but there's a blessing associated with it. So don't worry tonight, this, this prayer, this prayer break me, this wasn't created by some demented glutton for punishment. This is biblical. This is from the Word of God, and because it's biblical, we ought to pay attention to it. We ought to consider it. We ought to incorporate it into our lives, into our prayer lives. So let's go to the Word of God. Let's go to the book of Mark and look at a couple. Before we put that on the screen, I'm going to set it up a little bit, but we're going to, we're going to look at a couple of back-to-back stories here in the book of Mark. We're going to look at two different accounts here, just one right after another, and the first of these two accounts uh, details and deals with a, a prostitute, a woman of ill repute. And, and we don't really know her backstory. We don't know how she arrived at this place of, of prostitution, being her lifestyle, being her profession. We, we really don't know what, what brought this about. We don't know what caused it. Maybe, maybe she was a single mom and she had no other way of paying the bills. And so she, in her desperation, she turned to this lifestyle. Maybe, maybe she had been abused by men all her life, and that's all she knew. And so she just perpetuated what she had grown up being subjected to. But whatever, whatever it was, whatever led her to this profession of prostitution, no doubt she was ridiculed and she was looked down on. She was, she was hated by the women of her community. And she was used and abused by the men of her community. And no doubt, because of that, she lived a life of utter shame. So one day, though, the Bible tells us that she had, she had an encounter. And she, she came across a man who treated her different than every other man that she had met. As a matter of fact, this man treated her with honor. He treated her with respect. This man showed her genuine love, and it so deeply touched her. It so impacted this woman that she was moved to worship him, and she worshiped him in the most sacrificial way that she knew how. As a matter of fact, her extravagant act of worship completely confused everybody else in the story. So let's pick it up. We're looking at Mark chapter 14 for those who want to follow along, and we're going to read verse 3 here. Here's what it says, and, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, 
as he, speaking of Jesus, as he sat at the table, a woman, it doesn't tell us her name, but, but she was this woman of ill repute, a woman, here she is, this, this lady I've been talking about, and she came and she had an alabaster flask, or, or we would say an alabaster box, and, and it was full of very costly oil of spikenard. Now listen, when, when the Bible speaks of this, this costly fragrance, this costly spikenard, this oil, it it was, a, it was a perfume, if you will. Think about it that way. And it was very, very expensive. And, and then we'll see, you'll see later on if you continue to read that, that this spikenard, this perfume, it was so valuable that it was equivalent to a year's worth of wages. I want you to stop real quick and I want you to think about how much you make in a year's time. That's how much it cost her. That's what this was, that would be a sacrifice, wouldn't it? And so she had this perfume, and the reason that she had this perfume is that it was likely used in her particular trade. And so understand that as a prostitute, she, she, would, use, she would use this. It was, it was one of the tools of her trade, and I'm just going to kind of leave it at that and move on. But, but what, when, when she took this box, when she took this alabaster box and broke it, basically what she did, she was, she was sacrificing not only this valuable perfume that was, that was worth a, a year's worth of her ages, but she also was sacrificing her ability to attract new customers. She was sacrificing her source of income, the tool that she would use to ply her trade. So not only was it valuable and worthly, not only was it something that she did in the present at the moment, not only did it affect that day, but it was going to affect the next day and the next day and the day after that as well. But we see in the word of God, but she willingly did it anyhow. When she found herself in the presence of Jesus, when she found herself with an opportunity to come and to fall at the feet of the Lord, at the feet of her Savior, she didn't want to hold it back, but she gave what was most meaningful, she gave what was most valuable, and she gave it willingly to the Lord. The Bible says there at the very end there in that verse, then she broke the flask and she poured it out on his head. So this is, this is her act of worship. She broke the box, and then she poured it out. She didn't break it and just anoint him with a drop or two, but she broke it and she emptied it. She poured it out. She broke it and poured it out. And then as this account continues on, there was, there was a negative response to her, her worship. I mean, they, they accused her of different things. Some accused her of being wasteful. They, they accused her of going too far, of being excessive. You know, they said, hey, this oil could have been sold and it could have been used for a good reason. It could have been used to feed the poor. But listen, tonight, you might be thinking about this, oh, I can't believe they said that and I, I can't believe they would do that. But listen, before you would condemn those who had a negative response to her, I want you to think about some responses that maybe you've heard about extravagant worship in our day. Oh, it doesn't take all that. Well, they're just being dramatic. They're just trying to get attention. They're, they're just going a little bit overboard. They're, they're just getting a little bit, come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
Oh, they're, they're just getting carried away. But I want you to know tonight that this act of worship, it was more extravagant than you can imagine. And so it was the only, it was only natural that a strong response was elicited. I want you to think about this. Essentially, she was giving her whole, in that moment, she was giving her whole life to Jesus. That's what's represented here. When you think about the alabaster, it's not just a nice lyric in a song, but what's represented here is it's her whole life. It's her livelihood. It's her past, it's her present, and it's her future. And she's coming into this moment in the presence of the Lord, and she's saying, here's my life. I give it to you. I break it before you. I pour it out on you. All of this because Jesus showed her love. All of this because Jesus offered her hope. So she broke and she poured it out. That's the first story in Mark 14. The second account follows immediately after this one in sequence. And in this second account, in that particular chapter, Jesus had gathered the disciples together for what we have come uh, to know as the Last Supper. It was the last time that they would break bread together. And so here they were in this moment, and Jesus was preparing himself for what was to come. And, and at this point in, in, in the book of Mark, chapter 14, the cross was looming large, and Jesus knew that, that a brutal and torturous death was waiting on him. That's what was laying ahead. And so this is how it reads in Mark 14, beginning with verse number 22. It says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it. And then what did he do next? He broke it. And then he gave it to them and said, take, eat. This is my body. So the body is broken. The body of Jesus. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. My body's going to be broken. And then he continued on in verse 23. Then he took the cup that represented his blood, the, the, the fruit of the vine there. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. And then he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is what? Which is shed for many. In the New Living Translation, that word shed is poured out. It's poured out for many. My blood is poured out for many. His body was broken for us, the word says. His blood was poured out. So there we have it again right here in this same chapter. It's broken and it's poured out. Broken and then poured out. Her alabaster box was broken in an act of worship, and then she poured it out without holding anything back, without holding anything in reserve, broken and poured out before the Lord. Listen, this same account of the Last Supper, if you go, not in the book of Mark, but if you go read it in Luke's gospel, you go read Luke's account of this depiction. Listen, when he he's kind of tells a similar story, but after speaking about the broken body represented by the bread, and, and after speaking about the blood that's poured out represented by the fruit of the vine, Luke captures that Jesus said this. Jesus said, do this in remembrance doesn't say that in Mark, but Luke picks it up. Luke points it out. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. 
And of course, the primary application of this do this in remembrance of me, the primary application is that we're supposed to partake of the bread. We're supposed to take, partake uh, of, the, of the fruit of the vine. We're, we're, that's the primary application. We're supposed to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But hear me tonight, church. There may be a secondary application as well. And that could be that just as Jesus allowed himself to be broken and as he allowed himself to be poured out, so should we. Because as Christ followers, let me remind you, we're supposed to live as he lived. We're supposed to love the way that Jesus loved. We, we are supposed to die to self. Why do we die to self? We die to self so we can live for his glory. Broken and poured out. Hallelujah. Paul declared this in Galatians 2 and 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Because Jesus was crucified, Paul said, I need to be crucified. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. But why do you do it, Paul? Here's what he said. Because he loved me and he gave himself for me. Just like that woman with the alabaster box was willing to give everything back to Jesus. Paul felt the same. I give my life. I lay my life on the altar. I want to be crucified with Christ. The apostle Paul also mirrored this principle that I'm talking about on two different occasions. When he said this, he said, I'm poured out as a drink offering. Broken. Crucified with Christ and poured out as a drink offering. Listen, tonight, if you, if you haven't been broken, you will be. My wife and I have walked through some seasons of brokenness. We've dealt with loss. We've dealt with deep disappointment. One of the major times was in the early years of being in St. Louis, and I'm going to tell you, it was a hard time for us. The comments were hurtful. They stung deeply. But can I tell you tonight that on the heels of brokenness, there was beauty. And if we hadn't gone through it, we wouldn't have been able to get to it. We wouldn't have been able to get to what God was preparing. We, we wouldn't have been able to get to that place where God was going to show favor, to that place that God was going to use us and, and bless us. And we're, if we wouldn't have gone, if we wouldn't have endured it, if we would have short-circuited short or taken a shortcut or a way out, we never would have gotten to what God wanted to do in our lives. And I know tonight that many, many of you can relate to what I'm talking about. Some of you have been broken repeatedly. Some of you don't know if there's anything else left to be broken. Every bone seems like it's been broken. But I wonder how many times do you go through hell on earth? How many times do we walk through tough places only to discover that as a result, we find ourselves closer to God than we were in the beginning? Come on, we find ourselves more in love with Jesus than we ever, more dependent upon him and his strength than we were prior. Listen, we witness the presence of God stronger than we did before. Why? Because we went to a place of brokenness 
and there's blessing in brokenness. That's why this is a kingdom prayer tonight. Because it's not about your ways. It's about God's ways. It's not about what you want. It's about God wants. And it's about what God will do if you will yield. It's about what God will do if you'll put yourself on the altar. It's about what God can do with something that seems marred and messed up and broken and shattered. He can take something like that and make something beautiful with it. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about your abilities. It's about what God can do with the broken pieces of your life because God knows what you will be like once you are broken because that's when you become malleable in his hands. That's when he has access to begin to put you back together in the way that he wants to do it. That's when he can begin to work in and through you like never before. It's in brokenness. It's not in wholeness. It's in brokenness. I want you to know tonight that being broken, though, it's not a one-time thing. It's likely to be a multiple, multiple occurrences in your life. Listen, God, God wants to break out our sinfulness. And you know what? That's not a one-time thing. When you were born again, you came to an altar and repented before the Lord, repented of your sins. You know what? You've probably had sin try to creep back in your life since then, haven't you? So we've got to be broken. We've got to pray like Paul. We've got to, we've got to die daily. We've got to die daily. We've got to die to flesh. We, we've got to die to our will. We've got to allow ourselves to be broken before the Lord. The Lord wants to teach us. He wants to teach us to depend upon him. And once again, that's not a one-time occurrence. But over time, in different situations, to varying degrees, we're broken before him. And that's when God does his best work. But church, I want you to know tonight that life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. You might not be able to see it at the moment. You might not even understand it while you're in it. But it seems to be true nonetheless because when we're broken, what's on the inside is now able to come out. I said when, when, we're, when we're broken, then, then what God has placed inside of our container, we're, we're, we're jars of clay, we're, we're earthen vessels, and, and he puts, the Bible says, he puts his treasure in earthen vessels. But it's not until we're broken that others are able to see it. It's not until we're broken that what is inside is able to pour out. And here's what Jesus said about every Holy Ghost-filled believer. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. In your brokenness, he's glorified. In your brokenness, those around you are blessed. When you're broken, what's inside can pour out. Listen, it, it, it wasn't until the apostle Peter denied Jesus three times, it wasn't until then that he finally broke. He had many ups and downs. He had many low points. But when he, didn't, when he heard that rooster crow for the third time and he looked across the way and saw Jesus, knew that Jesus had prophesied, this is what's going to happen, and he did it anyway. In that moment, he was broken. He went out and he wept. 
He went out and he repented. And listen, the next thing you know, after that time of brokenness, the Bible says Peter is standing up with the 11 and he's preaching the church into existence on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people are getting saved. The blessing came after the brokenness. You see, those who God uses the greatest are often the ones who are broken the deepest. Because God's not going to waste hurt. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. He's always going to take your brokenness. He's always going to take your pain. He's always going to take your hurt, and he's going to redeem it. Once the apostle Paul was broken, like I preached about this past Sunday, then the glory of God came pouring out. That's when the glory, he was in prison. He, 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 he was fighting for his life. But he had an opportunity, and he stood before authority, and the glory of God just began oozing out of him. So tonight, instead of trying to hold on to doing things your own way, instead of trying to hold on to your your slice of life, instead of trying to hold on to your will, instead of trying to hold on to your pride, instead of trying to keep a grasp on your self-sufficiency, instead of trying to keep things together, you just need to heed the words of Jesus found in Luke 20 and 18 where he said this. He said, whoever falls on that stone, and that stone is speaking of Jesus. The Bible says that he was the stone that the builders rejected. And what happens when you fall on that stone or on that rock? You will be broken. Fall on the rock, fall on the stone and be broken. But on whomever the rock or the stone falls on, it will grind him to powder. Listen, we've got to find a place of humility. We've got to find a place to abase ourselves. And the Bible says that when we do that, God will elevate us. But if we don't humble ourselves, if we are broken before the Lord, then he's going to humble us. He's going to bring us down. I believe it was Brother Tenney who said, if we insist on doing God's job, God's going to insist on doing our job. If we don't humble ourselves, he'll do it for us. The Bible says a broken and a contrite spirit. It's irresistible to God. He doesn't want you in your self-sufficiency. He doesn't want you in your pride. He doesn't want you going through your life in your independence. He doesn't want you to go through life thinking you're a self-made man or a self-made woman. No, he desires brokenness in the inner parts. So focus on this kingdom prayer of falling on the rock. Church, it's a willingness to fall on the rock to be broken. It's a, it's a willingness to humble yourself instead of having to be humbled. It's a, it's a willingness to be poured out like Paul. Listen, while this, this may seem hard to some, it's, it's really just basic Christianity. When, when you stop and put it into perspective, what I'm talking about, it's, it's really, this, this is kind of Christianity 101. This, this concept really at its core is, is, is what it means to follow Jesus. The invitation of Jesus is come and die. That's the invitation. It's come and die. Come take up your cross. What happens on the cross? Man, you guys are quiet. Either that's because I'm incredibly boring or this is hitting home. The call of the Christian, the call of Jesus is come and come and lay your life down. 
Come and surrender your will. Come and surrender your all. Come and find your life, not in yourself, but in me. Come and die. Come and die. The gospel, that's what it is. It's an, it's an invitation to die. Listen, repentance, the first part of, of the new birth, repentance is about the death of your will. It's about dying to self so that Jesus can live through you. See, when that sinful woman broke open that alabaster box and when she poured it all out, she was symbolizing, I'm giving my whole life to you. I'm dying to my past. I'm dying to my identity. I'm dying to who I have been. And from this day forward, I don't have a plan B. So many times when we come to God, we want to we fall back, right? You know, if this, if this serving God thing doesn't work out, if this living for the Lord thing doesn't work out, she didn't have a plan B. She gave it all. She, she, gave every, she gave her most precious possession. She gave her way to make a dollar the next day. She gave it all. She gave her whole life broken and poured out. When Jesus' body was broken, it was broken for you, and it was broken for me. And when his blood was poured out, it was poured out so that our sins may be forgiven. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So church, we need to be broken. We need to allow ourselves to be poured out for the cause of Christ. Come on, that, that cuts against the grain of our flesh. That cuts against the grain of our will. But we need to allow ourselves to be poured out. I, I want you to think about it. How, how has God been pouring you out in the last couple of weeks? How, how has he been using you to be a blessing to somebody else? How has he been using in, you in ministry? How has he been using you in his work? How has he been using you on your job? Are you being poured out? Or are you a reservoir keeping everything in? Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Broken and poured out. Church, we need to be broken and poured out so that Jesus can be seen through our lives like never before. Listen, the goal of each and every one of our lives should be to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That, that ought to be what it's about. Fully Fully devoted. Would you say that? Fully devoted. But the reality is that many times we're partially devoted. We were able to say amen and, and say fully devoted together, but you know what? If we, would, if we would take inventory of our lives, if we would take stock, in reality, we're, we're, more, we're close, more closely aligned with partially devoted than fully devoted. We're almost sometimes instead of altogether. Right? Be honest for a moment. Many times we live for God when it's convenient, just when it's convenient for us. We live for God when it fits our schedule. Oh, that slot happens to be open. I'll go. I'll do. I'll serve. We do it. We live for God. We, make, we, 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 we kind of seek him and, and, and do kingdom things when we don't have other things to do. 
you'll find yourself, if you find yourself tonight at any point being partially devoted, being a, being, instead of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus, if you find yourself at any point being a partially devoted follower of Jesus, let me encourage you to consider praying this kingdom prayer that I'm talking about tonight. God, I invite you to break me. I, I invite you to humble me. I invite you to get me to a point where, where you are my everything, where I'm fully dependent upon you. Whatever it requires, Lord, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to know you intimately, and I want to serve you faithfully, God. Do whatever it takes. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I didn't give this to the the media team. Don't worry about putting it up there. But Paul said, I want to know him. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Oh, we like that part, don't we? Oh, that resurrection, the same power that's in Jesus is in us. The same spirit that's in Jesus is in us. We can shout. We can rejoice. We can get excited about the power of his resurrection. But Paul didn't stop there. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. The call of the gospel is come and die. It's come and die. Some of you tonight, you, know, you may be just sitting on the edge of your seat ready to pray that prayer. So some of you tonight are, are maybe fully ready to say, you know what, just, just give me a chance, Pastor. Just, just call the musicians. Just, just give us an opportunity to, to, to pray, to come to the altar, and I'm ready to pray. Break me. So some of you may be all in. Some of you may be to that point. You see it, and, and you want it. But listen, there may be others here tonight who aren't quite there yet. Can I say that I understand? This is a hard thing. Oh, we, we can do lip service. Oh, we can, we can pray it in an empty fashion. Oh, break me, God. And as we say it, our heart's 100 miles away. Our intentions are nowhere to be found. It's a form. It's a function. It's a repetition. It's empty words. I recognize when you get to the place where you truly begin to pray this, it's hard. It cuts against the grain. It doesn't make sense to our our carnal minds. That's why it is a kingdom prayer. So tonight, hear me. Listen, I'm not excluding you. If you're not fully there, if you're not ready to pray this in in total sincerity, if you're not there yet, listen, you you, you don't need to give up. You don't need to say, hey, this this service is not for me. I'm not going to have anything to pray about in a couple moments. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to start off with one thing. Start off by identifying one thing that you need broken in your life and pray about that. Last week, we we prayed, search me, O God. Search me. Uncover anything in me that I'm not aware of. Search me and, and know my heart. Show me any wicked ways in me. And so listen, if God has shown you something, if God has revealed something to you that is sinful, if he's shown you something in your life that is offensive to him, something in your life that is displeasing to him and shouldn't be in your life as a Christian, just make that your prayer tonight. God, break me of that. 
Whatever that is, God, break the spirit of that in my life. God, break the back of that stronghold in my life. God, break my pride. God, 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 break this stronghold of lust. God, God, break this, this pattern of anger that I keep seeming to repeat. God, break me of my stubbornness. Break me of my self-sufficiency. Break me of this unholy attitude I've been harboring. Break me of my impatience. Whatever it is, just start there. Just start in that place. Just start with that thing. Just start with whatever that is and then give access to God because here's what I believe tonight. I believe this to my core that whenever God breaks that thing that you're going to see is on the other side of the brokenness. He's got a blessing for you. There's some of you that if you'll put some if you'll put that thing on the altar tonight, he's got freedom waiting for you. There's some that if you'll put whatever it is on the altar, there's peace. Peace that has been oh so elusive lately, but he has peace for you tonight. There's going to be a blessing on the other side of your brokenness because life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, TLCDallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.